Hello and welcome to episode 179 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try to F it up in our very, very humble opinion. <laughs> it was brilliant. I am Giles Alderson. I'm a screenwriter. I'm a director and I'm a producer. I'm Johnny Grant. I'm a screenwriter. And I'm Robin McCain, director, producer. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening. You are all amazing. Today's episode is with Jed Shepard. He's the exec producer and screenwriter of the number one movie in the world right now, Host. How cool is that? We got him on. This is brilliant. Uh, it was such an interesting episode. I took so much from this. It was just incredible, and you will too. Uh, Johnny, what did you take? Oh, it's just his um, really, really, really fascinating writing process and, and how he was able to draw on current events, turning something so horrible as a pandemic into an extremely positive um, experience and an entertaining, fun movie. Uh, and also the inspiration that, that gives to, to writers in the UK and how you can have a global hit um, in, in such a short space of time. Just, just absolutely fascinating conversation that we had. So really looking forward to re-listening to it. Totally agree, mate. I totally agree. I loved how he, he developed from his shorts and how he made these amazing award-winning shorts and, and how also they, the idea of host came about from a prank video. You'll find out all about that on the episode. Robbie? Yeah, and making a... A film on Zoom, you just have these certain expectations of what it's going to look like. We've seen a lot of, you know, films like that where, you know, it's entirely shot on a webcam or things like that. But he really managed to subvert those, particularly with the horror genre, doing, you know, not necessarily what you'd expect and eschewing some of those expectations, which was really impressive, I thought. Totally impressive, yeah. Uh, we also talk about how he collaborates on his screenwriting and producing duties, uh, how he gets his start, um, and how he makes movies scary. Uh, so there's loads for you lot to learn. Johnny. Hello, yes. I got some news for you. All right. Always exciting. We have uh, an official release date for The Dare in the UK. Oh my goodness. Yeah, do you want to know the date? Go on then, Giles. Spill the beans. The date <laughs> is October the 5th. That's oh literally, my yeah, like six weeks away, five, six weeks away. How cool is that? Fingers crossed we're going to have some sort of screening premiere. I will let everyone know if there is and if you can come down. For those of you who have been with us on this podcast from the very beginning, you know that this is the film that made me start the podcast and made me talk about filmmaking because I'd made a film uh, and it's only four years uh, and it will be literally almost just less than a month uh, to four years away when it gets released in the UK that's filmmaking folks it's a crazy industry that's Hollywood it is unless you're unless you're Jed and the guys who made Host and they had the idea uh, not so long ago and then made the movie in most cases though it is the typically long process isn't it it's a long drawn out process of which we will tell you even more of why in a future episode I'm sure most of you know but still uh, we will do that guests coming up we have for you i'm super excited we've just recorded an episode with sarah gavron 
director of Suffragette and her brand new film Rocks. Which is amazing. She tells you all about working with Meryl Streep and how Rocks came about and working with unknowns and literally people who hadn't been on screen before. Excellent. So we've got that coming up for you and we have coming up for you. This is incredible. We've got the directors of Captain Marvel, Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. So cool. Uh, And we've got some other amazing ones for you as well with John Badham who is the director of War Games and Saturday Night Fever. Oh my gosh. So if you do like this podcast, uh, do tell your friends, but do go jump on iTunes and give us a really nice review. But Robbie, we have some even more exciting news, don't we? That's right. We've got another big announcement and that is we now have a Patreon, a Filmmakers Podcast Patreon. So if you guys want to just give a little bit more back to the podcast to maybe get some you know exclusive or bonus content in return you can now do that so yeah uh you can head over to www.patreon.com forward slash the filmmakers podcast we'll have the link in the show notes so there's a couple of tiers in there there's a tier that is uh just helping out and thank you for listening and obviously it's a quid just for saying hey you've listened to some podcasts over the time and then we've got one which is two quid which gives you bonus material so many cool little outtakes that we haven't given you before we're going to put in full podcasts that we haven't released yet and also um some episodes that we cut down loads when we first started like the Mark Strong episode, the actor from Kingsman, and we're going to give you the whole thing. Uh, so it's things like that. Plus we'll be giving you a load of behind the scenes stuff as well of how we make our movies. So we're going in depth on that as well. And as a special on there for 25 quid, we have the VIP tier. Robbie, what is in that? You get to kind of suggest topics for the the bonus episodes. So you get a little bit of a a creative hand in in where the show's going. Absolutely. And you can also get a one-on-one discussion uh, with one of your amazing hosts about your project. So if you want to pitch to them your idea, if you want to show them your scripts, if you want to talk about it, you also get that. Go have a look. I mean, that is a special bargain, (laughs) to be fair, giving it away. But still, we wanted to help our filmmakers so you out there can get a leg up and we can help you with our knowledge, anything we've learned along the way, and we will give you special treatment for that. So, Patreon, go there, support the show. We love you. We love you. Love us back. Love us back. (laughs) Either way, keep listening to the show. Thank you so much. So, Johnny, how are you? Are you okay? Have you been script writing during this lockdown time? Yeah, I have. I, I had a, I had a, like Jed, I had an idea around about the same time. I think it might have been the same date that I actually sent you. Um, I won't reveal it. It's a, it's a sprawling sci-fi uh, epic that will probably never get made. Uh, but I just, <laughs> I just wanted to write. Uh, I wanted to write a, a, a big budget um, blockbuster movie. So I-, I think this is a good time for people to write, and it's really interesting that you haven't written as much during this time because I know how fast you are and how quick you are. So it's quite fascinating. Um, and for those who don't know, Johnny wrote The Dare, um, and he also wrote uh, Arthur and Merlin, and he's written many other scripts as well. So right, we should get to this week's episode with Jed Shepard. Robbie is nodding his head. Um, If you want to come onto this podcast and if you have a film already, come and let us know and we will either shout it out if you've got a a Kickstarter or a crowdfunder or if you've got a film, you know, ready to release and you want to come on and be a guest, then do so. Um, And also if you've got any improvements for the show, what do you want to hear more of? What do you want us idiots to shout about? And I tell you what, 
on that Patreon page, there's going to be a load more stuff of us really going in depth about filmmaking. The process, the art, the craft of filmmaking. Yes. The trials and tribulations and the various kind of politics. Emotional torture. through. Exactly. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Mixed in in one big melting pot of blood, penship and heart. Penship. That's amazing. Sounds like a log line. Yeah, put that on a t-shirt, Giles, please. (laughs) Speaking of which, you can get our merch. Go to thefilmingspodcast.com. Thank you, Giles. I still Um, need to buy a t-shirt. I definitely do. I love the merch. It's just just great. It's really fun and snappy. Yeah. So this is mine and Johnny Grant's chat with Jed Shepard. Enjoy. Hi guys. Hey guys. Caroline. Hi Teddy. Let's do a shot after us. Okay, everyone get in. Three, two, one. Have you ever done anything like this before? I've never done this over Zoom. Obviously we're not physically together, but there's no reason why Spirit can't communicate over the internet. Nothing's gonna happen. Visualize us sitting in a circle. Spirit, we invite you to use us to pass on any communication. Is there anyone there? Please come forward. What was that? Amy, was that you? I heard it. I heard something. I think there's something here. Do you see that? Emma, that's funny. connected with something we gotta keep going we gotta talk to it this is not good i told you not to disrespect the spirits it could be something it is my absolute delight to welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast, Jed Shepard. How you doing, buddy? I'm very good, thank you, Giles. How are you? Very good, thank you. We've got Johnny here as well, fellow screenwriter. Hey, Johnny. Hey, man. Nice to meet you. You too. So myself and Johnny co-wrote The Dare together, and Johnny co-wrote Arthur and Merlin, Knights of Camelot. Now, obviously, you co-write movies as well as writing stuff yourself. How do you like to work? And So, you know, some, does someone take the lead? Jump straight in with that one. Most of the things that people have seen are stuff that me and Rob Savage have done together, uh, which Rob ha- has directed. We basically just bat ideas back and forth between each other. Um, it usually starts from a, a central idea that I have. Um, and it's usually horror based as well. So for host, for instance, um, the idea I had was a zoom seance and, and that was the initial kind of idea. And then we bowed back, back and forth via zoom, um, how we would actually make this interesting. So, um, we went down the, the zoom features on, on zoom, what, what they can do. And then we kind of integrated that into a story and we knew we were going to use our friends as well so we just um it was quite easy an easy process just we were going to use our friends and we were going to use zoom so um we just put into the story exactly what um we thought would would be cool really that's kind of how i work i think of cool things rob thinks of arty things and we just put it together and for this we just had a google a google doc really um that we just kept on updating again and again and again 
we had a rough structure of like first act is um, the girls just getting to know each other, getting together. Second act is the seance, and the third act is just the crazy freak out stuff. Um, I don't think it's the typical way to, to write things, hosts especially, because there's some improvisation as well. I find the writing process really easy. And for stuff that I've written myself, I'm a stupidly fast writer. I wrote a whole screenplay from in- inception to finish in December. I wrote it in five days. Now I know I can do it like in five days. Now I've got no excuse. Well, that's the issue now, isn't it? When you tell people you can write something so quickly, and Johnny's also a very quick writer, very fast. But I, I do, sometimes I said to him, don't send it yet. Don't send it yet. Because you'd be like, I, I, he, the next day he'd have rewritten another version. I have you still reading, you know, version whatever. But the fact is you, you, you then putting that pressure on yourself to do the next one in five days and whatever, which, which can't be easy. I think as long as the idea is exciting to you, it's kind of, you're just excited to write it. That's, that, that's my feeling. That, like I write it fast if I'm excited about, about the film. I think I'll finally learn not to rush. Uh, I was really, I was, it was really a big flaw of mine rushing my work. And I think that's why I was so quick is that I was just desperate to get it out. Uh, and I found that taking long breaks between drafts really helps give you those fresh eyes when you, when you go back. And um, yeah, it was, it was a big problem for me actually, to be fair. Cause I would, I, unlike you, I'd read something and say, God, this is terrible. I have those moments as well. Yeah, because most of the time you do, you do read back and go, oh my God. But I, I agree with you, Jed. Sometimes when those, when you really want to write something, like script I'm writing at the moment, I'm so passionate about it. It just sort of flows out. I'm writing that with someone else as well. And it, it can happen. Whereas if you're actually struggling with a project and you, you're going, oh God, I've got to write this. That's when the problems occur, right? If you are passionate, like you say, you can really feel that as you're reading it back. But just little things like typos and, and bad dialogue and stuff like that. I think that that's what will slip through the net for me if I rush it. And just to f- finish up there on, on collaborating with other people, you said you, you'd send things backwards and forwards. You chat on Zoom, which is, I love that you chatted on Zoom and the film set on Zoom. Uh, um, but then you put it in a Google spreadsheet. We, did you work together? Because me and Johnny will, will write a bit. He'll write a bit and send it to me. And I'll write a bit, send it back. And Johnny's much more proactive at that and he's very good at it were you the same were you constantly sending stuff and then he'd have a go um rob and then send it back to you and you'd have a go and rework stuff i mean we also like have really similar references and we have kind of because we've been doing it for quite a long time together we have it almost like a shorthand and it's rare that i would put something in that he wouldn't like and vice versa just because we we almost have like a hive mentality um the collaboration between me and rob is is like essential to like to get good stuff out because he's very high art he has like an art house mentality when it comes to movies and my mentality is fun and making blockbusters and making it for for as many people as possible so if you can combine the two in some way make art house films for the masses then you've got something special because like the stuff like i've done myself multiplex isn't out yet but when you see it you'll see it is designed it's like a summer blockbuster type movie rather than like a art house movie yeah and that's the short that you directed as well as uh wrote uh yeah and you're also in it as well just for a second but how cool is that and congratulations by the way you know number one film on shudder and people are number one film in the world yeah it's mental because we just thought we were making it obviously a film made on zoom in lockdown you would just think, okay, this is a throwaway stupid movie. But, well, me and Rob knew we would like it because we put all of our cool ideas into it. 
And we knew that the horror community will like it as well because there's basically a lot of people who think the same as us. So when even when we were telling the actors, uh, who are our friends, by the way, that we were making this movie, they were just like, oh, yeah, cool, yeah, we'll do it. And it was almost like a nothing throwaway thing for them. So when we... Um, and, and yeah, and, we, and because you filmed it with mates, the expectations for us were so, so low. And we were like, oh, like, we, this this will be a fine stepping stone to something else, maybe. And then when it was released and it just went absolutely stellar, like straight away, we were like, what is going on? This is just absolutely mad. And, and all, all of the, all the, like Joe Hill saying that like, scared the crap out of him. One of the influences um, of Host is, is Ghostwatch. I don't know if you've guys seen that, but the writer of Ghostwatch came out and said it's like Host is the new Ghostwatch. And that was so, so good for me. I was like, oh, that's crazy. He hasn't tweeted about it yet, but Stephen King sent us an email saying he loves it. It's been out for three weeks and that's it. That's an amazing few weeks. Andre Overdahl, who was on the podcast uh, two weeks ago, he got the same thing. When Trollhunter came out, he got a message from uh, Stephen King and now he's literally directing uh, Stephen King's latest book. So, hey, you just never know the path that this career takes you, the filmmaking world. We pitched Stephen King a little while ago on, on, on something, yeah, but... Um... We were nobody's then, so, but like I think it's a bit different now. It's so interesting how that suddenly does change, and now you're not nobody's, and now all doors are opening. I imagine they're just flying open at the moment. We were already doing a film with Sam Raimi um, before Host that that was sorted out last year, but and Sam Raimi was like my my hero, so like of course he's amazing. But there's like there's like so much stuff about to be announced. It is unbelievable. Let's jump back to how you got there, because and then we'll come back and talk more about House and how brilliant it is and how everyone should see it and get a shutter subscription just for this. You know what made you want to be a filmmaker? Because you know you have made quite a few shorts, but you've, you, as far as I can tell, you've only been in this sort of business for seven years ish. You know, around that time. So tell us your journey. Tell us how you started. First of all, I, I don't consider myself part of the film industry. And what I, I don't, and, and I don't want to, I don't want to be, I think as soon as you, as soon as you consider yourself part of the industry, you, you, you lose your edge. I, I, I want to be a, a film fan. I hate networking. I don't want to win any awards. All I care about is like good movies. And I think if, if your aim is to get awards, that's the wrong thing. Your aim should be to make the best one possible. Every time I watch a film, I'm just like, okay, how would I do that? What could I do to improve it? I collect VHS tapes as well, and a lot of the like pre-cert horror VHS uh, films that have never been on DVD or Blu-ray or, or streaming. So I'm watching all these lost gems and thinking, these are these are some really cool ideas in here that no one's ever really seen, and these ideas are lost to time. So if I can potentially use some of these ideas or combine some of these ideas and tweak it to the 21st century audience, then maybe like these ideas will live on and we're very open with our influences i want to kind of shine a light on some of these like lost films that no nobody's kind of seen before regarding why i wanted to be a filmmaker specifically and i think it was probably evil dead 2 was the film that kind of made me decide oh wow so you can you're allowed to make films like this you're allowed to make films that are that are scary and funny yes um, and how cool that you're working with sam raimi coming <laughs> up i mean what uh turn wow it's wow wow We've been like all through lockdown. We've been working on on that film as well and um, doing table reads with Sam. It's over Zoom as well, which is really cool. Um, it's it's honestly it's like a masterclass. Like I'm I'm learning so much just from like the way he does things. Um, and actually, in host, 
you can see some Sam Raimi influences just from our experiences working with him already, um, especially in the kind of the end freak out section is very kind of Sam Raimi-esque. And I, I just want to make movies that I would want to see myself, um, especially British ones, because the British horror um, community, um, who are filmmakers, we, we haven't basically pr- produced a good horror film or very few good horror films in the last 20 30 years where we were like one of the best in the world with hammer and amicus back in the 60s and 70s very true healing studios made all those films yeah absolutely when people think of of the uk they think of full weddings and like all of those working title movies i think we british filmmakers have the mentality that we can't make horror as good as the americans i want to make horror films that are like I said, like blockbusters that go worldwide, and I thought it would be—I thought it would be like the next film of the film after that. But it's fascinating how it works. Well, me and Johnny discussed this quite a lot with the Dare because originally we wrote it English, you know, with English characters, English dialogue, and speaking with our sales team, distribution, and our producers, we kind of wanted to make it American, didn't we, Johnny? We just said it gives it a much more universal appeal. We knew we could sell it more, even though it's all pretty much made by British people, apart from the Bulgarians of our crew, but actors and myself, Johnny, and my DP and producing team. But We knew that it would have more of a chance if we gave them all American accents and turned it American. It did. And that's the problem. And I think you're exactly right is people don't trust the English sort of horror films or they go, oh, it's another cute English horror film, whatever. It won't translate to international. You've proved that all wrong, which is amazing. And I know Johnny's written some some brilliant English ones. But yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I, I want people to, when they're told by the gatekeepers oh no you can't you shouldn't do a horror it doesn't doesn't do well you can't you're you're in britain you've got to do this blah 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 no one will be able to kind of suggest that like we can't do horror here anymore because like we're, we're about to like change the game like love it man i can't yeah. wait to hear that's great that's great for us as well we should really thank you for that <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i mean it's 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 a a whole group effort and as you know we've been making these short films for like years now with um struggling to make them like for instance for dawn of the death like we made that for seven grand and that was our own money and like begging people for money we we like applied for so many financing things and the yeah, got knocked down not back yeah, yeah. No one it's we generally thought like this the raimi film would be the one that would like blow us up and mm. we just thought this one was just the thing we've done with mates like a silly thing we did with mates and obviously we we, we put all of our heart into it as well so it's of not course. just a fairway thing yeah but um yeah, yeah it's, it's a new paranormal activity it's a new Blair Witch you guys have smashed it um so uh, Birdemic 2 The Resurrection is your first official credit as far as I can see yeah, it is. but yeah. you've come in as a co-producer I mean how did you even jump to be a co-producer oh. because what's your journey going from hey I love horror movies yeah. uh, you know my subscription list are full of horror movies I want to make British horror movies to actually going okay I can actually go make something what was that leap people would love to know so so this is quite a good story so Obviously, I had no experience whatsoever, and I don't know if you you've seen the first Birdemic movie. It's the craziest, weirdest movie ever. It's this guy. He's from Thailand, and he lives in in Hollywood, and he thinks he's the new Hitchcock. This is the real guy, James Wynn, the director and writer, and he made the silly film for ten grand. He found these random actors. Um, it has the worst. It's about birds that kill people. For a time, it was the number one worst-rated movie on IMDb, and I'm 
I was obsessed with it. I was proper obsessed with it. I was like, who is this guy? Who made this film? And the film blew up. The film was on the front cover of the New York Times just because it's so weird. And then it started playing midnight midnight screenings all around the world. Prince Charles and the Royal London started playing it. It just absolutely blew up. So I was like, I do what I usually like do in life. I, I emailed everyone in the cast and all the crew and the director. Just I found all of their emails. I was like, hey, I'm Jed. You don't know me. I've got no experience, but I want to help you make the sequel. And wow. And Good I just, for I, you, man. Yeah. I just blast these emails out. And like, you, you need to cast a wide net in order to catch like, and one day you'll catch a big fish. I just sent that out and I, I got blanked, of course. And then I sent another one at, hey, just for, just to follow up. Um, I'm really excited to help you guys in any way I possibly can. Blank. And then I was like, right, I need to be like clever about this. And I said, and I got a list of, of like big uh, independent cinemas around Europe and the UK. And I sent them that list and said, hey, I want to get you in all of these cinemas around Europe and the UK. I'll get you into this film festival, this film festival. Um, and then they, they, they wrote me back and said, can you really do that? And I was blagging it. And I was like, yeah, of course I can. Yeah, of course. And they were like, hey, what would you want? And I was like, I want to be a co-producer on it, just aiming big. And they said, okay, if you can do all of that, you can be co-producer. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, this is a good opportunity. So then I, was ju- I just, put, just put on my charm, and, and I'm really good at, well, writing's my thing. So I wrote like, an amazing email to these cinemas, like, hey, you've probably heard of Birdemic. And, and I sent like a, a scan of the New York Times like, on the front cover. Um, and I said, like, you've probably heard of Birdemic. Uh, we're, we're making a sequel, and we're, we're pleased to, to inform you that we've selected your cinema as one we, to, to debut it Get in your city. <laughs> And just stuff like that. And it just got in everywhere, like everywhere. Everyone was into it. And then like some of the cinemas flew the casting uh, like around as well. And yeah, so I, that was my first thing I ever did in my first. And, and Birdemic 2 is mental, by the way. It is absolutely crazy. It has a clip bird element, but also has time travel, zombies. It has a 10 minute dance scene for no reason. Do you know what I like about this is, and and this is so great for you, for you guys listening, is how inspirational is that? The fact that Jed just went, do you know what? I want to be a filmmaker. What shall I do? I'm going to ring all the cast and crew. I'm going to uh, ring, keep uh, contacting the director and promise something. And hey, I mean, the fact is you managed to do that is incredible. I and mean, fair play to you. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> I love the fact you went, I have no idea how to do this. Uh, yeah. And then just wrote a brilliant letter to cinemas. And do you know what? That, it really it. does make a difference. That's how you get movies in cinema as you write to the cinemas and say hey mm-hmm. we've got this movie cinemas yeah. love that because you turn up you bring cast crew and hey you, they get an audience and it's different yeah um, well done man how did you go from there to then going well, you know what was next you were like right Kurt, well i've produced a movie now yeah you yeah. know help set up the first one get it in cinemas then you were you know you, you're like what's next well then i wanted i was like right i can do this myself i don't need anyone else so i was like I had this idea for a film called Dawn of the Deaf, and I wanted to originally direct direct it myself. Um, so I tried to do that, but I've like using whatever skills I had. But again, I hadn't directed anything at that point. Um, so I was like, okay, I need to find someone who's good at directing. So I on Twitter just randomly one day I saw Rob Rob Savage. He he posted a one minute comedy video. Uh, for that he entered in some competition and I saw it and I was like oh this is like really funny and like if he, if he can do that in a short really short space of time because comedy and horror for me is quite are quite similar that it's really difficult to pull off 
So I was like, if he can do that, then maybe he can do horror. So I contacted him, like, hey man, we should, like I saw he was in London. Let's go for a drink. Like, are you into horror? And so we met up, and he was massively into horror. He's always wanted to do a, a horror film, but yeah. And then that first meeting, I pitched him Dawn of the Death, and I was like, I've got this like idea. It's called Dawn of the Death about um, a sound that kills everyone, only, only deaf people survive. And he was he was into it straight away. He was like, hey, we need to make it. But then we decided to make something else first that was a bit more low key. So we made Absence. We put in. It cost us two hundred pounds. Like that's we put in our own money, two hundred quid, and we got Paul McGann. Paul McGann in it. I know. Be, oh, yeah. Great, right? And we submitted to film festivals. We got to London film festival straight away. Sitges. It got all into all these like big film festivals straight away. Fright Fest was the first one I think we played, and um, we were like, "Oh wow, this is easy!" Like we just make something, and then everyone loves it. Yeah, we. Yeah, it's like well, surely we could do this again. Um, so we're like, okay, be, be a bit more ambitious. Uh, we can easily get someone to pay for Dawn of the Death now. So we we pitched as a feature first. Um, and no one would give us any money at all. And then we were okay, let's do a, a short proof of concept thing first. No one would give us any money. So again, we put in a bit of money ourselves. We convinced the Central School of Speech and Drama to give us some money on the proviso that we had to use their students. Fine. So yeah, but their yeah, students yeah. ended yeah. up being uh, Caroline, Haley, and Redina, who are also in host. So that turned out really well. And um, so we so we made this little film, and again nobody thought it would be anything the cast and crew they were very i feel like they were quite blase about it <laughs> about it but me and rob were just like this is this is such a cool idea um, but because there's no really precedent for like british horror really again no one would, would believe in it so when it was finished i was like this is amazing let's get it out there and and dawn of the death went into maybe over 300 film festivals around the world. Every single big one you can imagine it was in and won awards in. It was, it just blew up. And we were like, I mean, yeah, being at Sundance with, with, with Dawn of the Death was like one of the best experiences ever. I mean, Sundance is amazing anyway, but the fact yeah. you're there with a film that's doing really well, was that easier to speak to people like Sam Raimi? Is that how, is that one of the opportunities that opened the door there? We, we basically, off Dawn of the Death, we got a lot, of attention all at once one of the one of the people who gave us attention was fox who said we'll give you some money if you can do a, door, a new dawn on the death again something else so that's that's how, how we made salt they gave us the money to make salt with alice low um and we we proved that we can do like drama type horror uh so now we wanted to do something to prove that we could do action so we uh we made salt and got to hang out with Alice Lowe for a week, which was amazing because she's so cool. Yeah. And, and again, like, like all these ideas are usually like they come from me first and I have a kernel of an idea and um, I'm so confident in like these ideas. I, I, I know when it's a good idea when I'm, when I'm like, I can't sleep because I'm just thinking about how, how good it is. And because I've genuinely watched every horror film of all time, even the worst movies, I know what's come before, so I know what not to do and, and how we can build upon the infrastructure that came before. And I'm obsessed with like the anatomy of a scare as well, like exactly how you build the perfect scare. So I'm always like, I need to get the perfect scare, I need to get the perfect scare, which we put a lot in, into host. So Soul, again, just blew up like beyond our dreams. Like it, it was crazy. And that's what got Sam Raimi interested. 
uh, he wanted to basically see what we else we could do because uh, uh, he loved the one of the death and salt that's so cool and uh, you know again i love the fact that you went out of your way and just found someone on twitter there and rob savage yeah. has been that person with you constantly now making films and then you blew up with hosts and that is from you just searching on twitter and twi yeah. tweeting him and saying hey fancy a beard you like horror yeah, um, similar to how Johnny got in touch with me. Johnny, do you want to tell the story <laughs> of your Tom Cruise escapades? Yeah, <laughs> I, not too dissimilar, to be honest, mate. Um, I was I was just alone in the house one night and I blasted out about 300 emails. It took hours. I was pitching. I can't even remember what I was pitching now. It was some terrible script that I'd written it and I was kind of delusional at the time. Thinking, <laughs> like, I think, it, honestly, I think it was about an autistic kid from Teesside who'd lost his pet terrapin and was going to Newcastle to find it. It was something ridiculous. I actually quite like that. It was influenced by, you know, like, I don't know if you've seen A Room for Romeo Brass. Yeah, okay, uh, yeah I love A Room for Romeo Brass. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, it was like that kind of, uh, that kind of deal. Obviously, all these big Hollywood producers weren't going to pick it up. So, <laughs> but little did I know at the time. So, I just blasted out, like, hundreds and hundreds of emails. And I was getting, like, obscure people replying, like, telling me the life story when they were like, I'm a producer in Vegas, What? It, tell me more. And apparently Tom Cruise's emails on IDB for a hundred, I just sort of blasted <laughs> mad stupid pictures as a nobody writer to him. Um, and Giles was one of the people that I'd sent the email to. I was uh, one of those crazies who wrote back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think then I sent Giles uh, the Nobodies, which was a script I, read, I wrote shortly after. It was about yeah. addiction, about addiction. Okay. Um, I think that's because that's how we connected. And, that, and again, it was for the fact that Johnny just went out of his way and he, he didn't have to do that. He could have chucked it to a few people, a friends of friends or someone he knew in his area. But similar to what you did, Jed, is Johnny was like, I'm going to put this out. Hey, if I don't do this, nothing's going to happen. You've got to. Salt is a brilliant short film. It's two minutes. Uh, like mm -hmm. I say, it's Alice Lowe. It's so cool. Simple idea. Salt Circle, you know, you've got, and, and, but the effects and the action, as you mentioned, that are so good. It's yeah. like really well made. Um, it's very well made. You, so well made. It's just really fucking cool. How did were you involved in all that then? Obviously, it was your idea. What was the process yeah. then of making something like that? We, we we kind of start with the with the, with if it's a horror film, with how are we going to scare people first and what what the scare is. Um, but with that one, it was actually at Sundance that um, we came up with um, Salt because and this again this is like a weird story but like we it was like 2 3 a.m in the morning and i don't know if you know about sundance but it is in the mountains covered in snow it's freezing freezing cold and then we basically you take shuttles everywhere and the shuttles it's, it, it dropped us off at a, a particular stop that was really far away from from our uh, cabin where we were staying and we we were basically walking through the mountains, like trying to find stupid. We should have just wait for the next shuttle, but we started walking through the mountains to try and find where we were staying. And we just got completely lost. And it was, the temperature was dropping and dropping and dropping. So, and I was already sick as well. So it was bad. It was a real bad situation. Where I was like, Oh shit, we're probably going to die now. So like to keep our spirits up, Rob was like, okay, let's, let's, let's have some ideas what we can do next. And then he said he wanted to do a siege movie. And I was like, oh, yeah, what about a siege movie within a salt circle? And that's kind of how it started. Um, and just with the scares, we knew we wanted to do just things involving salt circles. We wanted to almost have a Rube Goldberg effect kind of thing where one thing kicks off another thing, which kicks off another thing, which affects the salt circle. 
Um, we knew we wanted that. It was just really easy, and it, it was almost like we almost did the whole thing in like the space of like an hour or something, like um, coming up with it. And again, it, it's it's very short, so there wasn't very much of a script. It was more like action. Um, but we know we just needed someone to kind of hang it on, and that's um, Alice Lowe. And we needed to find a, a cool kid as well. And that kid is actually is um, um, Bo. She is from Star Wars Rogue One. She plays young Jyn Erso. Um Yeah, so we we had Alice Lowe and 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 a Star Wars star basically. And yeah, again, we didn't know that that would blow up at all. And so that was Salt. And at the same time, you're going. You wanted to direct as well, right? You were thinking, yeah. I. Well, the reason why I wanted to direct is, even though horror is my thing, I don't always want to do horror. And I wanted to see what else I could do. And I had Multiplex. And I think I actually pitched Multiplex to Rob. And because it's not a straight horror, it was something that he he didn't seem excited by him directing it. And because it was quite a, a personal story, it was like, yeah, I should, that's correct. I should do this. It should be me. Um, but again, like my experience with directing is music videos and little weird things here and there so um yeah so we i use for that some of the same team as we've used before but i also got my own kind of like team as well i kind of wanted it to be quite separate uh because i didn't want it to have the same exact look as our other films i wanted it to be like my own put my own signature onto it though you will see some similarities because it stars the girls from Host and Dawn of the Deaf. And, and that's why I get why you want to have that little break, have that little window to then you can come back with it. Yeah. But the fact of you actually stepping up to direct for the first time and actually going, okay, I'm now calling the shots. Did you really plan those shots? Did you worked out, you know, shot lists, what you wanted to do? Did you storyboarded anything? I mean, it's been I, in your mind for years. So as yeah, well as that. I was very much a control freak on this one because... I mean, me and Rob work really well together, but when it comes to directing, that's that's all Rob, like 99.9% Rob. I can suggest things here and there, but I want it to be all Rob as well because it should. He's got such a flair; he's so good. I don't, I, I would probably dilute it if if I gave my uh, my view on on what how he should direct. So I just don't do that. Um, but when it comes to something that I'm directing, like I want like full control. I want from everything from every stage of it I, w- I want full control because i want the idea in my head to be the same thing as people see on screen and people might think that's a little bit of like an like a an, an egomaniac thing but no I, I i know exactly what i want to want and if i don't achieve it, i'll be like really disappointed no you're so right i think it's so important you it's yeah. you live by the sword and die by the sword when you're directing and it has to be your vision it has to be your interpretation of that of course you can take influence in other people's questions and thoughts and stories and ideas but it's your yeah. vision your name's on that it's yours you know you can't be influenced yeah, yeah. by other people or that's why it's, it's so hard to co-direct because there's two visions then and that can be very confusing to the actors yeah, i don't know how that even work i know I, i've questioned so many people on the podcast about that when they've done it about how do you do it and often one person will lead that and the other person will be whispering as their conscience type thing yeah. or sometimes there's two literal voices but they're both so in tune that it works mm-hmm. and like the coen brothers yeah. or who else came on recently and they said exactly the same thing it's like no no that's how it works um yeah. but yeah i find that really difficult so no you were absolutely right to be it's your voice hey i'm just gonna step up and do this were you 
you know, uh, shitting yourself to do that? Were you sort of going, or did you just take it in your stride by what you'd seen? I think I was too focused. I think if I kind of sat down and had time to think about it, I probably would be shitting myself. But I was just like, let's just, let's just do it. And again, the, the, there were some people of the crew that were from the other productions, like um, the VFX supervisor who's done everything, including stuff on host. I knew I had him. Therefore, I knew we could do the effects. Um, like without, I didn't have to worry about it. Um, we had who else did we have? Even things like the co- the costume lady, Alexi. She's been on everything, and it's just good to have her on set as well. She's like a real, like bright, like spark on on set. But yeah, it was like a different producer than I'm, than I'm used to. Um, different DOP. Um, but William yeah, Baldy, yeah, and then Kate yeah, Baxter yeah. was your producer. Well, yeah, great. absolutely. Yeah, so, no, that's... so we basically just made it like, but it was almost it was like a learning learning experience for me as well. Just like, okay, like, can I do this? Can like, can I do it and produce something good? But I think you're only as good as the people around you. And luckily, like everyone around me was 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 really really good. And um, we debuted it for the first time the week before lockdown, uh, when cinemas were still open at the Glasgow Film Festival. And again, like, but I was like worried because I, I was like, okay, I know I know this is special because like I watched and I'm like, this is gold, this is absolute gold. But like I didn't, I thought I thought for me it's gold, but like will it be gold for everyone else? And then we so we got the cast and crew to come to the Glasgow Film Festival, and as we walk in, like they say, oh, we're, we're going to have to put on another screen in. I'm like, why? And they said, oh, because like people are complaining that they can't get in. I'm like, what? It's crazy. Yeah, it was like like sold out, and I was like oh okay and then we watched it and genuinely people were jumping up and down banging their seats like screaming and stuff like i've never seen an audience like that before because because my mentality is just audience please please the audience just just make it a crowd pleaser and that's that's what multiplex is so, and the fact that it's set in a cinema yeah and then people are sat in the cinema watching it oh, yeah. Yeah, that's cool that's it's really very cool meta. so the, the basic story is that a brother and sister they go to a cinema because they hear of an urban legend that if you watch films in a certain order uh, uh, at the end of the day a new screen door will open and there's treasure um but the cinema will try and stop you from progressing so whatever film you watch it uses that film against you to stop you so uh, the first one they watch is a martial arts movie. Therefore, when they go into the lobby, there's a martial arts scene that they have to get past. They have to fight this swordsman. And the second film they watch is Dawn of the Death. So, yeah, well done. I was going to say, what did you put on the screens? Because you've got yeah. to shoot those films as well, right? To yeah, put yeah, on yeah. the screens. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. had to shoot them first. And obviously you had Dawn of the Death, but uh, for yeah, the other ones, the martial arts movies and stuff, how did you do that? How did you put the other ones up? We got a lawyer to look into what we could actually put on screen so we are using some real films but like really small snippets of it in context um and then we have to kind of like be quite creative with how we show that when they when they kind of have to get past it or fight it um but but yeah it's um you, you get to see Haley, Redina and caroline playing their same characters from dawn of the death but dialed up to 11 like so, so hang what, on, they got to almost see themselves or watching themselves I, yeah. oh man you blow yeah. my mind how meta oh, that is that's crazy. so cool so they're, like, they're in the film and then they're watching themselves in another film playing different yeah. or almost same characters yes. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah 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 and they get to do in multiplex what they didn't do in dawn of the death which is actually fight the zombies how do you go about your writing process and 
what's what what sort of tips and tactics would you would you have for any other sort of aspiring writers out there i like short sharp bursts of writing but like how i do it like i guess it's quite normal i just out, outline it first i usually have like so kind of how i do it is every film i do should have at least three big set pieces like three like wow moments but i also want to make sure the audience isn't bored at any point as well so i just try and keep it interesting and and my my main thing is like if i like it then that's all i really care about because i i'm i'm my own worst critic and i'm i'm my own like best audience as well so if i don't like something i've done like with multiplex like off the first edit of it i was like no this is this is not what i imagined this is bad so we got another editor to work on it and and then finally it, it kind of reached the heights i think i think it should so um but yeah with 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 the writing process i can't write on on my laptop which is it, it just doesn't work for some reason i can only write on an ipad with a with a keyboard um on final draft and the reason for that is i get so many distractions on on my computer so many so i just want i turn off the internet on my uh, ipad and i usually just go somewhere and with the whole like world around me, and then I then I for some reason that just focuses me on my on my iPad, and and I can just just do it so so fast. But I can't, I can't do it on a computer because then I'll just go on the internet, see the football results. Do you structure it? Do you kind of go? Um, I'm going to you know do, do you blot it or block it all out first, uh, or do you do sections? Yeah, How do you do that. No, yeah, it's it's a, I use a pretty like standard kind of structure three-act structure but i also have my own secret structure as well so jump jumping straight into host then with the actual set of payoff stuff of how you wrote that yeah. i suppose let's talk about how it originally started before we get into scripting it then why, why yeah. did you and rob want to make this kick-ass motherfucking cool number one movie <laughs> in the world right now <laughs> so so we probably saw the prank prank video that rob did i don't know if you've seen that but we were just we were just bored of 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 um just baking banana bread and all that crap. So, um, and, we'd, and we we were doing Netflix parties every every day, and where you can watch films and like type alongside in the chat box, like while you're watching a movie on Netflix, it's really cool. But then we just run out of films to watch, and we, we got to Waterworld, and we were just like, "This is this is." Yeah, this hang on, we've gone too far, guys. Yeah, we, we need to do something else. <laughs> I do love that film, but still, yeah, <laughs> it's not bad. So we basically had. Um, but Rob called me and said he wanted to prank our friends just to liven something up. And uh, so he did this prank video where he goes up into his attic, something jumps out of him, and then he pre- pretends he's dead. It's stupid. And I told him no one's going to fall for it, but then all of our friends did, and we recorded it on Zoom. I was in the prank video as well. All the girls host were in the, in the prank video. And, um, yeah, we put that online. So it's a two-minute prank. It's not even a short film. It's a prank video. And it went viral. It got seen by like, like now I think it's on 7 million views, like across yeah, wherever it's it is. it's huge, isn't it? It's crazy yeah. shit. And so we were like, oh, wow. And then we just got lots of offers like from all over. It's, ex- it's exactly what you would kind of dream to do with a viral video. We just got offers for people wanting to do a longer version. But how can you do a longer version of a stupid prank video? So Rob asked me to come up with something. And um, yeah, at half past four in the morning, on like the 20, I think it's the 28th of April, I text him two words, Zoom seance. Um, and then I went to sleep and I woke up and Rob was like, cool, I'm pitching this to Shudder right now. 
um, we'd had loads of offers from like bigger places, the, the biggest streaming things you can think of, but Shudder have their own platform who, and they were willing to let us make it in lockdown because everyone else was like, oh yeah, yeah we, we, we can do this, but let's do it in eight months time. And this is yeah, all over. Wait, do that. Yeah. And you're like, no, 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 this has to be now. This needs to be a lockdown film released in lockdown. So Shudder were just like, yeah. And we said to them, we've only got two words, Zoom seance. We're going to use all of our mates and we want full control. Just let us get on with it. And then we're like, yeah, cool. We trust you. We tr- and like, you, you never get that. So like kudos to Shudder. They took an absolute like gamble, like stab in the dark. Um, and it, it paid off for them. Um, but again, we didn't know how we would do this. We were building the train tracks in front of, in front of ourselves because we, we were like, okay, We've got the money. How do we do this? I love that. How much? How much did you? I mean, are you allowed to say what budget they gave you or ish? You know, so you can in UK pounds, it was five figures. It was it's low for for a UK film. It's pretty much the budget you would get for a short film. Um, if someone was was going to give you money for a short film. It's it's low, um, but, but you luckily, knew because it was Zoom. And yeah. you could, it wasn't like, right, we need a whole crew. We need all this. It yeah. was, yeah. And we'll get to exactly we've how you did that. Sets or catering or yeah. anything. In this WhatsApp, WhatsApp group, we, ha- we had our producer, we had our stunt guys, we had um, our VFX guy, Steve, our costume lady, because they're just all of our mates. Um, so we, we had the entire crew right there. So it's, it's very easy and everyone was just up for it. We wanted to film the scares first so we could play it in live so we get their real reactions. So that, we filmed all that first, but obviously we had to like speak to the stunt guys first as well to say, "Hey, is this possible? Can can this be done?" And the VFX guy, "Can this can this be done on this budget on Zoom with social distancing?" Stunt guys couldn't go near the the girls. Uh, Rob couldn't be there to like actually direct them um, in person. So we were just making up the rules as we go along. When and these rules are now probably like the the template for other people who want to make Zoom movies. We got another writer called Gemma to, to join our, our writing crew. Uh, the main reasons for that is because me and Rob are really close to, to these girls, they're our friends. So we wanted to make sure the best decisions were made and not biased through like personal relationships or anything like that. That makes sense. Gemma Hurley, right, who did Shoot for yeah. the Moon, which my dear P. Andrew Roger shot. Yeah, which is really cool. She did Sunset Dreams as well, which uh, yeah. he, he also made as well. So yeah, that's really cool. All connected. She came in and she added so much to to the mix it, it was great and i think at the very start uh, it was slightly hard to kind of work out how we work together um because me and rob are like a certain like a team basically but to be honest it feels like that she's like being with us the entire time she just feels like one of our old friends she's she's joined the quarantine movie club and that's when you know you've made it she's part of that whatsapp group <laughs> so uh yeah it's 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 really really cool um but yeah we ended up with a 17 page beat sheet that, that's how we did it it but we essentially copied exactly what the Blair Witch did in terms of writing and shooting whereby we redact things from the actors so we get their real reactions we only tell them what they need to know um we also get them in the in the mood by like showing them horror films and seeing some horror films to know exactly what level they should be on in, on the fear scale and stuff like that. Actually, John Carpenter kind of invented the fear scale. Like on Halloween, he put next to next to certain scenes, he put okay, fear scale eight, fear scale four. Because yeah. it's really hard for 
actors to get to that level and they're worried when to go and when to not because if if you've ever acted you understand how difficult it is to contain that and stay in a a scare state of eight let alone ten for more than five minutes without actually going crazy and it hurting and it's tears and ah so you have to make sure those are the right shots at the right time when it's in your close-up in this case it's it's zoom so you're all right it's different pretty much everything's that close you know it's there but still it's you have to know i love that you had a fair scale i'm gonna use that that's cool yeah no it's 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 so so useful and like rob would play them in like clips from like like midsummer and uh think just just to freak freak them out and then action just so they're already like oh my god and these girls don't like horror as well none of them maybe emma a little bit um but they yeah they weren't really into horror so we it was quite easy to get them scared um and also playing playing live the the deaths of their friends for the first time gets their real reaction and they probably didn't know the scale of our stunts as well so when emma's watching teddy being like burnt alive and that's really him being set on fire by the way she had no idea that we could do that yeah we really set on fire um so she her reaction is like oh my god is something gone wrong because like that's why because he's literally on fire yeah yeah (laughs) So, so you film so you filmed those bits before like him on fire and then when you film with her you're showing her these images and these videos of what's actually happening great so you get them to act that way so she's she's seen that for the first time and we get her real reaction and her, and like her real tears and like it's crazy and like um yeah we did that for all of them and like when, when they see their friends die that's the first time they're seeing it most of this is you see their first take um so we get that reaction that scene with teddy hanging over the Teddy's girlfriend hanging over the pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my, my wife watched the entire thing like this behind <laughs> bed sheet. We watched it on a laptop in bed yeah. just because we wanted to make it as real yeah, as on the big TV. And um, <laughs> we were just both really impressed with that, especially with that, that sort of VFX. Yeah. Just, oh, however, you did it, it was just ex- extremely well. Well, I've, I've been trying to get levitation into every single one of our films, and Rob's like, why? And it's like, because it's cool, like, we need to, like, show what we can do. We need to, like, levitate some. But when we were telling the stunt guys, we, yeah, we, we got, we're going to have to levitate someone. And I was like, and even better, if we find a pool, then no, then no one can accuse us of having, like, a rig on the ground. So I want it, like, levitating over a pool, her neck cracks, and she smashes and splashes into a pool. Yeah. And, these are the, and, then I, and I was like, full, I want a full body burn as well. So all these things, are, like, I wanted from the very, very start. And... Um, I didn't know how they would actually do it, but like they did it. <laughs> so you've written out your beat sheet, your 70 page mm-hmm. beat sheet. And then would you go, right, I'm going to sit and write all these scenes. Dialogue. How would you actually tie it all up and have your beginning, middle and end? The first act was basically just them getting to know each other. And it's the pre-seance stuff. Act one, act two is the seance. Uh, and a little bit after, and act three is what we named the freak out. We actually labeled it the freak out. And we just wanted people to not have a chance to to breathe. We wanted them to hold hold their breath the entire way through, and for them to not to know what screen to look at, um, and to just keep surprising people. Um, one of the, one of the ideas why, how we got that is from um, the Radio Silence team, who are actually doing the new screen movie in their segment in VHS, where it, it's basically like some frat boys go to a party. And then the last section is just a freak out where everything goes crazy. And that's kind of what we wanted. We wanted people to like 
have expectations of what this was going to be going in a Zoom movie and just completely blow the expectation out of the water um, with all of our like knowledge of like horror and, and, and how to scare people. Um, but yeah, we, it's just like Google Doc. It's really just a Google Doc, and we just add into it again. Then we'd have a Zoom meeting. Oh, what if what if Haley did this? What if Gemma did that? Um, but then again, because we had the beat sheet, there's a lot of improvisation. So I I can't take credit for um, all of the cool stuff that the girls say. Like Happy Spookies is just off Emma's just Emma just making something up. I mean, make it make sense even, but like that's the hashtag now. Um, Lots of the cool, lots of the cool lines are from the, from the girls, and um, they're equally they should have right credits. To be honest, that's nice and humble of you as well. But yeah, I know what you mean. Sometimes when the actors are so involved and are putting it into their own words, you go, well, yeah, yeah, they, they did have a big say. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So it's nice of you to yeah. say that. That's really interesting. How did you how did you go about shooting it? Then I know you weren't necessarily obviously you were around, yeah. but how do you, do you have everyone there at the same time? How are you recording each individual? Because you know what it's like on Zoom; it drops out. There's problems. How do you get good sound? Could you just touch on that a little? Yeah. Bit? So, um, not one single frame was shot on Zoom. Like, um, got, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Thank you for clarifying that. that that's how you do it. Um, yeah. So <laughs> Zoom was used as a reference. So everyone had Zoom open on their laptops as a reference to what's going on. But what they what they actually had was a um, a f- iPhone taped to the top of their screen. So the iPhone camera would be poking out on top of the the Zoom camera. So it kind of matches. And that way we didn't have to worry about internet problems because Caroline's house and Teddy's house have the worst internet in the entire universe so we had to make sure we, we got clean footage they were also um mic'd up as well um which they we just sent the mic packs and they attached a mic to their laptop again with like sellotape and um yeah so they were they were mic'd up the the entire time so you, you uh, taught them how to do that you taught them how to sync clap and how to send all the files to you guys as well or put them onto yeah. hard drive yeah they were taught how to do that uh, sound guy taught them how to do that um, like for, for, for Caroline's makeup effects, um, Dan Martin, the Ben Wheatley's um, effects guy, taught her how to, to do that. We've used them in, we use them in salt as well. When there were stunts involved, they had to be, uh, stunt guys would sometimes be possibly in the room in a hazmat suit, basically, just showing them what to do um, and making sure it was safe and they were c- correctly rigged up. But a lot of the times it was just the girls with fishing wire, like pulling things open. And we we had built uh, the, these like special contraptions where you put it into cupboards and you press a button and the, the cupboards explode. And wow. honestly, yeah. we should like sell them. They're, they're so cool. And yeah, it was it, that was the process, really. Amazing um, experience. And then and then I suppose, obviously, the fact that it, it has done so well. You sent it to Shudder after you edited it with uh, Brenna Rangot, who did the edits. Yeah. It seems fantastic, by the way. She's um, awesome, yeah. Is she? Oh, good, good. Glad to hear that. And <laughs> Shudder, I imagine, Shudder, what was the reaction straight away? Did you have to do changes? Did you have to do all that kind of stuff? Any reshoots? Did they want anything? Shudder were the best. They didn't tell us to change anything. Like, we, we delivered it on the 28th of July, and it went live on the 30th. So we almost we almost we almost missed it. Yeah. Um, we, Holy much! So there was no press. They didn't do any kind of this no new press, film's coming. No poster. No um, no trailer. Nothing. It, it just dropped. We were still doing ADR. We were still doing ADR on Tuesday the twenty eighth. We were doing ADR, and it got released to the world on the thirtieth. When did you first start getting the realization that it was doing well? 
So we we did a cast and crew screening the day before, so literally on the twenty ninth, um, and so the cast saw it for the first time, and they were like, they kind of realised that wow, this is a proper movie, this isn't messing around. So they were like, oh my god, and it, it kind of eased their minds a little bit because they they don't really have any concept of horror, and they were like, oh wow, this this could be a good movie, and then that same day, um, because. Shudder has sent the screener to a few people like on the night of the 28th and on the 29th. So there was a couple of, of uh, early reviews that came through and those early reviews were just like, wow. One of them was um, Dread Central, the big horror website. And they, they said straight out, straight out of the back. Actually, they waited till the 30th of the day it dropped to, to put out their article. But the article said, this is the scariest film of the decade. The, the greatest horror film since the Blair Witch Project, um, and Central. And I was thinking, what what what's happening now? This is this is mental. And then it just expanded from there. Everyone said that. Every horror website, every horror gatekeeper, every horror person was just like, this is the scariest film they've seen. And I was like, I, I, I don't know what's going on now. It's, it's mad. Me and Rob, it's like like a, like a d- day after it dropped. Me and Rob were just in this like local cafe in, in like South London, going. What what's going on? Like we we just had no comprehension of like what's happening, um, and it just like absolutely blew up like out like it's crazy. And just the fact that it's still one hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes is 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 mental to me. It doesn't make any sense. It's it's like it's ter- Terminator one, Toy Story one and two, Paddington two, and Host. Wow, what a story. How cool. And the fact that it's opened so many doors for you now and the fact that you've just decided to do this in lockdown and go, hey, we're not going to sit on our asses. You made the, the, the prank video that opened the door there for you. So, so <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, so just this is an inspiration for any filmmaker out there. Huge congrats, man. Huge congrats. Sure, thank you. Heard like the you know people say oh you you know people don't want to don't want pandemic films people don't want anything to do with that people you should shy away from all of that kind of stuff exactly I think just having something that's real now it really has has been catharsis for people because they're seeing people like them on screen and uh, yeah and I think the fact it's found footage as well just makes it accessible to people because what you're seeing is almost like a reflection of yourself rather than these like Hollywood actors who are like too pretty. I love those little human moments when it first starts, um, you know, like not being able to get on properly, the sound not being right and the chit chat, the ball talk banter that you have before a meeting starts and yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all there. And that's all foreshadowing what happens yeah, later as well. Everything they do and say is foreshadowing like stuff later. Exactly. Yeah, of course, you definitely did that so well. So, uh, mm-hmm. so cool. Um, uh, final bit of advice then for anyone doing what you've done, your journey. Um, what would you su- suggest is the best, you know, or a route to go? A bit of advice yeah. for filmmakers. I definitely think like shoot your shot. Like, like when you th- just message as many people as you can. You do have to have a like a, a kernel of talent for them to see. You know, you can't just just be a kind of a chance you need to have a kernel of talent or be able to like put something together but just shoot sure just just reach out to people even before host i was reaching as you can see i was reaching out to people and kind of getting thing things done so don't be scared to see that also don't use excuse like don't make excuses don't put obstacles in front of yourself because a lot of people have said lockdown has, has ruined their like their filmmaking kind of ideas because they can't do anything 
this has proven that you can you can make something that's like arty and commercial at the same time in lockdown and it's the limitations that uh, that has been a benefit really and also don't don't think budget is a limitation because i don't think it is because especially in horror the scary thing isn't a monster in your doorway the scary thing is the absence of a monster in your doorway because if you see a figure it means you can run away from it or fight it but if you're seeing nothing in the doorway and the camera's just locked in on a blank empty doorway to me that's the scariest thing ever because you your mind is making stuff up that um that your eyes can't see so yeah and that's free an empty doorway is free so turn your limitations in, into a benefit Blair Witch is my favorite horror movie or Blair Witch project for that reason yeah oh yeah that's big obviously a big influence yeah. really cool movie but anyway listen uh, Jed this has been absolutely amazing thank you so much honestly oh, no, really. really cool thank you for sharing your story this has inspired it. so many filmmakers it's really really cool and um, where can people find you on the socials you can find me on Twitter at Jed Shepherd, J-E-D-S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D. Same on Instagram. Uh, yeah, and just watch hosts. Go and shudder. You can get a free trial using the code SHUTIN, S-H-U-T-I-N. You get 30 days Thirty days if you do it on the shudder.com, and you get seven days if you do it through Amazon. But yeah, just, just watch hosts. It's only 56 minutes long. And it's brilliant. It Thanks. is absolutely brilliant. Honestly, well done. You're a hero and a star to so many filmmakers out there right now. Oh, well thanks. done. Keep going. I can't wait to hear your news that's dropping next week or maybe the week yeah. after. I want to see your film. Can you guys send me links to your films? I, I, yeah, I want to check them out. Yeah, of course, of course. Or you could wait to come to the premiere. I mean, hey. I yeah, mean, in London. Well, yeah, well, that's the idea. We'll get, it's coming out okay, in October cool. through Lionsgate. So we're like, well, perhaps nice. by then we can actually have a, a, a sort of premiere screening. So why yeah, I'll not? Come to but that. yeah. I can send you a link, definitely. Okay. Like. So remember, you can go out there and make your indie film. You can make it happen, just as Jed has done. Remember, if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well, it is your duty to send the elevator back down. Thank you so much for listening. You're all superstars. Go out there and make your film. Uh, and we will see you next Tuesday. Jed Shepard, thank you. Thanks, guys. Cheers, Josh. Cheers, Johnny. Cheers, Johnny. Bye. No worries. Bye, Bye everyone. Bye.